Welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast with Brian Moran, sponsored by Pitney Bowes. Now, here's your host, Brian Moran. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Moran, and our guest today is Barbara Weltman. And you know what that means. It must be that time of year. Barbara is an author of the J.K. Lasser Tax Guide for Small Business Owners. She uh, was a professor for many years at Manhattan College. She's an attorney and she's one of the most celebrated experts in the small business market. And with that, I have the pleasure of welcoming today to the Small Business Edge podcast, Barbara Weltman. Hello, Barbara. Thanks for having me. Barbara, I love talking to you. I think you are now the person that I've had on the Small Business Edge podcast the most. You now wear that crown. Well, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It just means that taxes are a topic that's changing all the time and we have to talk about it. Yes. So I always ask my listeners and my viewers and my readers, you know, what do you want to talk about? What what you know, what should we cover? And finances and taxes always seem to be either number one, number two, or number three. You know, recently we got things like supply chain and labor shortage, but in the last probably month or so, taxes has been number one, you know, so. Sure. I understand that because, you know, it's not what you earn. It's what you keep after tax that matters. Right. So taxes impact your bottom line. Yeah. And then and we're getting to that time of the year where, you know, business owners are meeting with their accountants and the accountants are saying to them, well, I don't know <laughs> it. I don't know because there's so much up in the air right now. So that's that's going to be my first question to you uh, for this podcast. And it's, um, you know, I have marked on my calendar December 3rd because that's the day that Congress um, gave a self-imposed deadline for the debt limit. You know, they kicked the can down the road and they and they uh, passed a bill that kept government open until December 3rd. And we know with the infrastructure bill and the reconciliation bill that there is a lot, a lot that they have on their plate right now um, that they need to address. Now, the interesting thing is December 3rd is eight days after Thanksgiving. So they'll take off They'll go home for Thanksgiving and then they'll come back that Monday or Tuesday after. So they'll only have a few days before the debt, the debt limit, um, you know, kind of deadline, which is that Friday. So what are you looking at right now in Congress and what do you expect to happen in the next? That's probably what, six weeks from now. As if past performance is any indication of what's <laughs> going to happen, because what's happened last year, the year before, the year before, and so yeah. on. Yeah. Congress seems to wait to the last minute. They mm-hmm. talk about it. They talk about it. They say they're going to have a vote. But a number of measures, as you indicated, we have a reconciliation package. We have an infrastructure package. We also have the SECURE Act 2.0, which is wow. a whole slew of retirement benefit um, rule changes, and all of that may not come before a vote until after the debt limit, or maybe as part of this, they may roll everything into one, a consolidated appropriations act as we've had in the past. And that's what, that's, for example, the, uh, the, the original SECURE Act was part of a consolidated appropriations act. And 
It may not be a vote until they adjourn for the uh, Christmas vacation, which may be 18th, 19th, 20th of, of December. So it, we're going to really, it's going to be a cliffhanger this year as it usually yeah. is. Well, and that, and that, I mean, so, it, so what you're saying, it, it may be a two-parter. It may be that they, they approve the debt limit. So, because they still have some things that they need to work out with the other two bills and they'll say, we'll kick that can down the road till the, the end of the year. And then we'll give ourselves till, um, we, we, um, you know, we leave for the year. So maybe that'd be the 18th or 19th. So yeah, they really, could do that. They yeah. could do it all together or they could do it in separate steps. And, and, and just, to, just to, to add confusion to the mix, there are a number of provisions expiring at the end of 2021. The, 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 the so-called, yeah, the so-called extenders that, that yeah. perennially get extended. So who knows what's going to happen to those measures? Yeah. And that, so I don't know why they put themselves in the position like they do. And, and they, they put everybody else in, in the same position because once these things pass and they've changed, then it's okay. Um, here's what that means for you. And for businesses, a lot of them, they only, they, they have not even like two weeks to figure out right till the end of the year. Well, that's true, but I, I, the, the reason they do it is because they, they can't make many of the provisions permanent because they have to score the bills for, for revenue purposes and right. a, a write-off that benefits businesses may cost too much if they make it permanent, but if they make it for one year, it doesn't right. look that costly. Right, right. So let's kind of dive into the bills and, and share with our listeners what you know, we think that some of the biggest parts will that will affect their businesses. The first one, I guess, that stands out in my head is the employee retention credit. Right. So that's where you can deduct up to seven thousand dollars per employee per quarter. Right. In the second and third quarters, you were able third, to do that. third and fourth quarters. Yeah. Third, fourth, yeah. Okay. And it's available to businesses if they've seen a reduction in revenue due to covid and if their business operations have had more than a nominal impact due to government COVID orders, right? So if the government said that, you know, we, we ask you to close your business or reduce hours or whatnot, but in July, the Senate put in their bill to eliminate that in the fourth quarter, because it looked like things were going to get better. And I don't think the Delta variant was as bad as it was. And so they kind of wrapped that up and they voted on it and they passed it and they sent it to the House. And the House is sitting on this now. But there's huge pushback from businesses and lawmakers to say, hmm, maybe we should take that out. Right. So is that that's yeah. one of the things that's, that's being considered. I, I don't know. That might might fall by the wayside, because, first of all, we are in the fourth quarter of the year already. Right. So it would have to be a retroactive change. Um and as you point out, there's a, been a lot of pushback. Uh, the, the measure, the, 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 interestingly, they carved out a special exception for so-called startup businesses, and they'd be able to keep it. It gets so confusing. And, yeah. and I think that, that they, they may just leave well enough alone until December 31st. But if you're somebody who has 25, 30, 40 employees, that's huge. Right. It's a huge. Yes. yes yeah. Huge. I mean, that that's one that that we need to keep our eye on. Just remember, Definitely. ERC is right. is is one of them. Um, 
All right, let's move to, I mean, I'm looking at all of the different, it's overwhelming. It is at times, right? Like I'm looking at all of the different tax, you know, uh, deductions and, and, and the things that the Congress wants to kill. Here, here's a question that somebody had for me. So they're, they're a C-Corp, right? And they are saying that, you know, they're reading that in 2022, they could see their taxes go up 20 to 25%. Uh, because they're a C-Corp. Um, and I, I did a little bit of research on it. And there are 1.4 million small business C-Corps with under 500 employees. And that, that means 13 million employees. Uh, there's manufacturing, there's professional services, scientific, retail. If, if you're a C-Corp right now, what, what are you thinking in terms of what might happen in 2022? I mean, taxes going up 20, 25% obviously would have a significant impact on the way you do business. What they're debating now is a 26.5% tax rate. Now you recall just a few months ago, we were talking about a 28% rate. So who knows what the ultimate rate will be? It's currently 21%. It won't impact 2021 taxes. It'll be effective going forward. But the bottom line is, what can you do? It doesn't necessarily make sense to change your entity right. to become an S corp or, or or LLC or anything like that because the tax rates could be even higher on owners of pass through entities. Right. Um, and and let, let me just explain a couple of reasons why the tax rates are higher on owners, which are the majority of small businesses and even mid-sized businesses in the U.S. are pastors, they're S-corps, they're partnerships, they're limited liability companies, or right. even sole proprietorships. The reason is that you pay, the owner pays tax on their share of business profits on their personal return. So it depends on their personal tax bracket, which now they're talking about raising the personal income tax bracket. Right. Add to that that there is a deduction called the Qualified Business Income Deduction, 20%, which, which was designed when they cut the corporate rate to 21% to give pass-through owners some comparable tax break, but it was capped for a number of businesses. Well, the proposal wants to either eliminate this entirely or cap it for higher income people. So mm-hmm. there, there may be little or no break in terms of the QBI deduction. Right. Then we have another tax on on business owners, which is the net investment income tax, 3.8% additional Medicare tax. Currently, it applies to investment income, meaning if you're a silent investor in a a business, Mm -hmm. you don't include that income. They want to make it so that whether or not you actively participate in the business, it's going to be subject to the tax. So that's an automatic 3.8% tax increase on owners of Mm pass-throughs. So- uh, you know, your head could explode from yeah. all of, of these different things. And there are so many moving parts that it's hard to um, put everything together. But the C corporation would would basically have a flat tax of, of, of something around 26.5%, give or take, whereas owners of pastors could be subject to taxes of 46% or more. And that doesn't even count state taxes. Right. 
And we're going to have to find something positive to in- include in this, okay. this podcast at some point. Uh, yeah, don't everybody be depressed because this isn't final. That's right. the thing. <clears throat> Things in the last minute, they make changes and they make compromises and, and things that were can be under consideration can be dropped out entirely. Right. And so we don't really know what the final and, product will be. Right. And like in the past two years, we've seen them make decisions in the following year that they made retroactive. Precisely. Right. Right. So if they realize, oh, this this is having unintended consequences, we need to go in and fix that. So here's some questions that I'll get from my listeners. You know, I'm looking to buy a piece of equipment or maybe update my, you know, my trucks or um, I'm thinking about buying a competitor. What about business purchases right now? So we're at the end of the year and maybe, you know, some businesses have had very good years. And they're thinking, okay, I'd like to then put this money back in before the end of the year to offset my my revenue, right? With with expenses. What what do you tell those people? The good thing is that there are significant tax breaks for buying machinery and equipment. And essentially, you can write off a hundred percent in most cases, whether or not you finance it. So if you even have to go out and, and get a loan or or vendor financing to purchase an, a new machine or something, you can take the 100% deduction on it. Wow. So that's pretty good. There's bonus depreciation. It's, it's still 100% this year. So, so I, yeah, pretty good. Uh, yeah, so Pitney Bowes is a sponsor of our podcast. and they have Okay, there you go. <laughs> Pitney Bowes Financing. Yeah, they, they, they talk about that all the time. They provide uh, uh, financing for equipment, and we have those conversations on a regular basis. So what you're saying to me is that if I want to buy a piece of heavy machinery that may cost six hundred thousand or a million dollars, I can I can buy that piece of equipment. I can finance that piece of equipment, but I can write the entire thing off this year. As long as you purchase it and place it in service before the end of the year, you can't just place your order. You have to get it and put it to use in business. Well, that's good because now they still have time to do yes. that. And, and the, the alternative, obviously, and a lot of the business owners know this, is that you can write that off over the next five to seven years in other and, cases, right? And, you know, depending on where you are tax-wise this year versus facing higher tax rates in the future, maybe you want to save those write-offs and take them in the future through regular depreciation. Right. Right. And that's the other question that I was going to ask you is that if we're looking at higher taxes next year and maybe for the next couple of years, does it behoove us to then say, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to wait and make that purchase? Because even even if I can't write off 100 percent next year, that is that's not up for debate. Right. The equipment. Uh, it's so, that 100 percent that is still good for 2022. It's scheduled to drop starting in 2023. But 2022. Right. Still 100 percent. So you can actually wait until next year to make that purchase, figure out what the landscape looks like and then say, OK, I'm going to make the purchase and I'm going to write it off either over you know, five to seven years or I'm going to take the 100 percent deduction in 2022. You know, I, my taxes went up. What you bring up like a, a wonderful point, which is that tax advisors tell um their clients year end. The typical advice is, you know, defer income if you have the ability, like if you're 
on the cash basis. Don't send out your invoices at the end of the year. Wait till next year and you'll get paid right. next year. At, or And accelerate your deductions, meaning stock up on supplies and make those equipment purchases now. But because we're facing higher taxes next year, that advice is kind of turned upside down. And so yeah. maybe you want to take the income this year while you can at a lower rate and defer uh, purchases that you'll be writing off at a, against a higher tax rate. They'll be more valuable to you at a higher tax rate. Right. Well, I, I think it's inevitable, right, that taxes are going to go up next year because we have to just, you, you know, we look at the um, – Unemployment taxes, right? The federal and state unemployment taxes. Well, those coffers were cleaned out with the stimulus payments. And now we have to restock the coffers. And so um, I've heard that that um, that federal and state unemployment taxes will probably go up in the next year over the next three years to restock the coffers. Definitely. And I think that we've been felt you and I have been talking about federal tax changes, but you have to keep an eye on state tax and state and local income tax rules because they may they don't necessarily go hand in hand with the federal rules. For example, in many states, you don't get that hundred percent write-off. Right. You just so you have to check what the rules are and what the changes are going to be going forward. Right. That's a great point. That that again, it's a it's the it's the two two returns, right? So you get the federal, but do you get the state as well? And so with an expensive purchase like a heavy piece of uh, machinery uh, for your business or whatever purchases you're making to offset uh, income, if it doesn't, if you if you don't get that as well at the state level, if you, if, you, if you're capped or or whatever like that could potentially hurt you in the long run because yeah, you yeah, lose that, that deduction. Absolutely. I think the bottom line is that from this point going forward, business owners should be sitting down and having discussions with their tax advisors and trying to develop a kind of uh, a strategy between now and the end of the year, depending yeah. on what their revenues have been this year. You know, yeah. we, we can look back year to date and see, are you in a loss position? Are you in a profit position? And that will dictate certain actions. Yes. And I love that. And what you're really talking about is getting to, you know, where you're about 80 to 90 percent home. Like, OK, here are here are the the here's what your revenue looks like this year. I mean, that the number is the number, right? Your gross revenue and then your cost of goods sold are going to be okay, this is what it, you know, this is what our expenses are. And as you start to frame everything out and then your, your um, non-core uh, production costs, you'll be about 70 to 80% home. And then the question is, what do you do with that last 20% to determine what kind of year you're going to have? And so- and, you And I think into the mix, you're going to have to put the things that are happening right now, such right. as higher- prices at the gas pump. If you, if you pay yes, you yes. Know, a lot for you, then what you thought was going to be your, your costs for the year are going to change. If you have to buy different supplies because you can't get certain supply items, it may cost you more. So you're going to have to factor, you're going to have to keep an eye on what's happening day to day. I love that point. Yes, because a lot of small business owners 
you know, the last two months of the year are the busiest time of the year for them. Exactly. Right. So, you know, you've you've you have inventory coming in. Well, with supply chain issues, I'm I'm hearing that, you know, some business owners, it's not going to be a happy holiday that, you know, they're there. They won't get their goods until February, you know, that they want to sell for the holiday season. And there are so, you know, you've you've you know, you said, OK, this is what my expenses are to me. This is what my projected revenue is going to be. But then that number changes dramatically because you never got your shipments because exactly. they were late. They were after the holidays. So that's a great point. And then, of course, inflation and, and variable costs, because whatever you projected for November, December, they could go up considerably. I don't imagine that they're going to go down. No, I don't see anything going down. I mean, shipping costs are going up. Uh, it, it, wages are going up. Yeah. It, you know, especially Gas, companies food. that need holiday help, they're going to be paying more than they than perhaps they had initially projected and should factor that in. Right. And and the fact that you could be in some out of stock situations with your inventory. So for our listeners right now, you know, this is really the last eight weeks, nine weeks of the year could have a considerable impact on on how you finish up the year. So I would revisit your financials for November, December. Make sure your your variable costs are in line and that you've adjusted for inflation. You and and you know that on the variable cost side. And then on the revenue side, you know, you need to confirm that your inventory is going to be there if you are in a retail position or whatnot, where where you have uh, uh, supply chain issues that could affect your top line numbers. You know, you may have projected one hundred thousand dollars for November, December. But if you don't have the goods in store, it could be 80 or 70 thousand dollars. So a lot to consider there. All right. I would kind of in the home stretch a little bit. So I do want to tackle um there's there's a bill right now that's that's kind of the, the the IRS is kind of pushing that if it happened today, it would give them access to anyone's banking information on six hundred dollar transactions. Right. Any transactions over six hundred dollars. And that's coming or going. Right. Yeah. They, they and, want to be able to see your bank account. Well, the good news, I, I should say, if, if you can consider it good, is yeah. that they pretty much can said, all right, we're, we're not going to do it at the 600 level, probably $10,000 level. But right. still, this is an, uh, an unbelievable um, privacy <laughs> issue. Say, it has nothing it to do with you reporting your income or but correctly, this is just they want to see where the money's coming and going. And, right. And- right. I think of it as a tremendous invasion of privacy, even at the ten thousand dollar level. And yeah, and I'm, uh, you know, they're talking about spending up to 80 billion dollars, 80 billion to hire auditors. And, and the guise is that this is supposed to be to target the super wealthy and and. If you, you know, if you tell me that the the average American is is is, you know, uh, whatever, underreporting income and, and, you know, this is really we're going to go after the masses because there's a lot of money out there, then you call it for what it is. But to say that you're going after the super wealthy and that you want to initially go after um, any, you know, transactions, uh, it's like gross receipts, right, of, of, of uh, income and outflow. Of of into your bank account, you're pretty much talking about 100, 150 million Americans. 
the thing to keep in mind is there's already a rule requiring reporting cash transactions in business of $10,000 or more. Right. So right. if you're a car dealer and, you, and somebody pays you in cash for a vehicle, you, you have to report it. Right. I, I don't really have a problem with that. That's been around forever, that sure. rule. Sure. But, you know, because how many people pay cash, like have, have cash like that lying around? That's that's kind of a little yeah. Yeah. You don't have to come to my days. house. I don't have that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But to just be able to track in and out on a regular basis, which means, you know, I also want to just point out the ripple effect here. Right. If the banks have to report all of this, they're going to have to raise their fees on people who don't have these kinds of transactions. We're yeah. going to be paying more. It right. all comes down to to um, administration, un, unintended consequences of right. many of these measures. Right. The administration of now, granted, computers can do a lot of the work, but then you still need eyeballs to exactly oversight, programming, all that kind of stuff. Right. And you're talking about billions and billions of total transactions. I mean, when you add it all up, right, because it's such a it's it's a it's a net that would cover every ocean. You know, it, it's it's you, you're really going to wrap up almost every single American at some point. Right. I'm going to impact. I, I would think in one way or another, everybody's going to be impacted by this. Right. Right. So and but but we're not again, like with all of the other things that we're talking about, this decision is not final. And there's no. tremendous pushback on on this from all of the lawmakers and, and business leaders to say we're probably better off spending the money elsewhere and, and, and to make it more constructive. Well, I could make a good case of where to spend the administrative dollars and, and, and where to look for um, issues, people not uh, reporting or people overstating deductions and things. There, there's plenty of places where they can look that they already have the, the ability and the rules in place to do it. Right, right. I agree. Barbara, let me ask you this. Has anybody ever thought about appointing you the head of the IRS? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think you would make a great uh, uh, director. Well, thank you. I, I do attend um, some I- informal hearings with head of the small business self-employed division and other people mm-hmm. there. And, and to give them credit, they are really trying. They're not ma- they don't make the law. They're right. just charged with doing what they have with to executing do. executing it. Right. Yes. And so, I, you know, I don't think that we, we should be demonizing the IRS for, for doing their job. That's what they have to do. But uh, with that said, you know, it, it's it's tough. It's tough yeah. for, for businesses. <clears throat> I, the last thing, again, and, and I, I, I know I, I will recommend and I will put on the resource page all of the other places where you speak over the next two months, because you are the bell of the ball when it comes to you know <laughs> November and December. You know, every everybody wants to talk to Barbara uh, because, uh, you know, th- there are so many issues that uh, that business owners are facing these days. Uh, so we talked about ERC, right? The employee retention credit. We talked about the IRS and the $600,000 or $10,000 $10, $600, $10, uh, uh, transactions. Um, we talked about 
taxes going up for C Corp, for S Corp, for LLCs next year. Um, there is the Secure Act, and that's the last thing I'll touch on, right? Sure. So, yeah, so, this is yeah, this is this is the Secure Act 2.0. We had a Secure Act, right? That that changed a number of rules. Well, this is a new Secure Act. Again, most of the provisions it it passed. I think it passed the Senate already. It, it's it's or it came out earlier in the year, right? And, right. And it's not that controversial. That's the thing. I think almost everybody agrees. I think it was overwhelmingly enacted. And I, I think and it's largely kind of positive. Agreed. A lot of positive provisions. Yes. Right. So uh, to um, delay the required minimum distribution age uh, over time. Right. That would and, go from 72 to 75. Over a number of years. Yes. Right. It wouldn't be like automatic. But the, the and for many people who are now in the workplace, in, in later in, in these later years, right? That makes sense because they're still getting, they're still earning a living, and they don't really want to take the distribution. So it really benefits those people because you can take the money out earlier if you, if you need it, but yeah. you're not required to. That makes right. total sense. <laughs> what about the other, the other thing? Yeah, the other thing would be to change the rule with for 401ks to require all the 401ks couple of exceptions, but basically all the 401ks, automatic enrollment of new employees, eligible employees who become eligible to participate. They're in unless they choose to opt out or change their salary reduction contributions. So that is put in to incentivize retirement savings for, for everybody. Hmm. But the good news for small businesses is that they would greatly increase the tax credit that can be claimed for doing this to cover administrative costs and employee education and, and such. So that's another positive change. I love that. I love that. And it makes total sense. You don't have to do it. You'll automatically be enrolled, right? You can put in a, right, a minimum amount of money each month, if you want, into your 401k, but it does offer you something for the future. It does offer you a savings opportunity. And, and the government's willing to cover the, the costs, as you say, to the business owner, administration and, and training. For, yeah, for three years. I love that. Up and to you a know certain what, amount. Yeah. So that's what we're going to end on. Okay. A positive <laughs> on, note. <laughs> right. On a, in a sea of negativity, we're going to end on something positive. Well, we, no, we, not all negative because we did talk about writing off equipment, which is right. very positive. You're right. hundred percent. And yeah, we just have to keep an eye on potentially negative things yeah. happening. What what is the, uh, the the Chinese expression? You know that it, or Sun Tzu in in the um, in the middle of chaos, there is also opportunity. Right. <laughs> That's going to be the name of this podcast. Okay. <laughs> I, I love it. The subtitle, but that's what it is every year, right? It's that you really have to be diligent and proactive in looking at your end of the year, especially the last two months, because so much will change. Um, and this year, probably more so than any other year since the great recession, right? Where, there could be wild swings in your income levels or your revenue, your revenue levels, right? Because of mm -hmm. supply chain and then your cost of goods sold because of, of wages and, and other um, co uh, costs, variable costs associated with doing business. And, um, and you, you know, your expenses, your non-core expenses are going to go way up. And, and, and then 
Congress is going to decide on all of the things that we talked about and, and the employee tension credit and a lot of the other taxes and whether or not you should make the purchases this year or next year. So February 1st is not the day you want to have these conversations with your accountant, right, in your business. You are so right. If you haven't already met with your uh, tax advisor, do it now. Great advice. And we're going to leave on that. Barbara, as always, I appreciate your time, your expertise, and you're willing to talk to our listeners who, as you know, are almost all business owners trying to run, you know, uh, the businesses that they love and that they're passionate about. So thank you very much. I want to thank Pitney Bowes, our sponsor of the Small Business Edge podcast, for your continued support of small business owners throughout the country and the world. Um, you know, keep up the great work. And then lastly, I want to thank our listeners because you give us such great feedback and I love your questions and your insights. Uh, please keep those coming. And um, we will continue to deliver guests like Barbara Weltman, who, uh, and if you haven't already done so, pick up her 2021, right? J.K. Lasser guides for tax guides for small businesses. The 2022 edition is at the printers now, and that's for 2021 taxes. So J.K. Lasser, Small Business Taxes 2022. There you go. It's at the printer. When does it come out? Um, I I don't know, but you can pre-order on Amazon now. It's doing well already. So so here's what we'll do. We'll put that link. I'll put that link on the resource page for for everybody who's listening. All right, Barbara. Thank you very much. It's always great to see you and to talk to you. And I appreciate everything you're doing for small business owners. And I appreciate you and your efforts too. Thank you. There you go. Uh, I look forward to talking with you again informally before the end of the year. You always educate me on what's happening. And uh, to everybody else, have a great day and give your accountant a call today. Take care. You've been listening to the Small Business Edge podcast with Brian Moran, sponsored by Pitney Bowes. Please visit our website, smallbusinessedge.com, for a listing of future podcasts.